is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your SummerSlam 2022 post-show. I am your host, JD, from New York, as always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your early Sunday mornings, wherever you may be, man. It is late. I appreciate you guys joining me. 3,500 plus with more filing in to this beautiful venue. I wasn't excited about SummerSlam coming in, man. I wasn't. You guys know what we do. You guys know what we say on this show. It's more like a summer scam. SummerSlam hasn't felt like SummerSlam in many, 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 many years. I wasn't excited about tonight's show. And I know, and I've been preaching it, because it's not going to happen. It's not going to be visible to us immediately. Triple H is now in charge of creative. I'm excited about it. I think I'm more excited about it than anybody in the fucking community, to be honest with you. Triple H is in charge of creative. He went on record saying that we're going to be in for a ride. We're going to be in for a ride. WWE is going to be better than we ever expected it to be. He's going to bring the best of what he's got. To us on Monday and on Friday. I believe him. I believe him. Tonight was the first feeling of that initial change that we've desired for so many many years, decades. All these years we wanted change. We're finally getting it. Tonight was a dose, a little dose of that change. SummerSlam to me tonight was not a bad show. If anybody says it's a bad show... You guys are a bunch of complete fucking fools. It was not a bad show. If you think it was a bad show, I don't know what you're watching. It was a very good show. Could it have been better? Yes. Could aspects of it, could it could it have been better? Yes. Was some of the stuff on tonight's show disappointing? Yes. But that's what you get with WWE. WWE's been a mixed bag for so long. But if you paid close enough attention, you will have seen the change that Triple H is about to embark on. There was a bunch of things that I hope you guys are just as excited as I am about. One of those things is the women's division. I want to talk about this immediately. The women's division has been an absolute fucking disgrace under Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. An absolute disgrace. It is the worst women's division in the history of WWE. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Creatively, at least. The talent's there. You may may not know it, but it's there. But I want you guys to think about this. Think about this aspect. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. This was one of the marquee matches. 26 seconds. One of the marquee matches last year at SummerSlam. 
That was back in 2021. It's now 2022. We're at this year's SummerSlam, and it's basically the same match. We got this match at WrestleMania as well in between. So we got Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair at SummerSlam last year. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair at WrestleMania this year. And Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair at SummerSlam this year. If that doesn't go and show you WWE's lack of vision in the women's division or Vince McMahon's lack of vision in the women's division, Bruce Pritchard's lack of women's division, I don't know what to tell you. WWE has failed at creating new stars. WWE has failed at creating any interest outside of the norm. They've refused to even embrace anybody coming up from NXT. In five minutes, in five minutes, Triple H changed all of that. In five minutes, Triple H made the Monday Night Raw women's division, which is terrible, into an absolute stockpile of talent. Look at that division now. After what you saw tonight on SummerSlam, look at that division. Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Asuka, now we have Bailey back, Dakota Kai, and now EO Shirai or EO Sky is what they've been calling her. Look at that division. Within five minutes, this man gave you a vision that you can trust, a vision that is going to take women's wrestling back to what he created in the black and gold. The women's revolution. If you're not excited about that women's division, I don't know what the fuck you're on. I almost had a fucking tear fall down my goddamn cheek watching that shit unfold tonight. Bailey's back. I couldn't be happier. Now we got Io Shirai, who is basically, according to Meltzer, one foot out the door. Now she's back. And we'll talk about that. And Dakota Kai, who wasn't even under contract with WWE. She was fired. And on this night, brought back into the company, goes to show you where the mentality of this new administration is and where the old administration was. Just by that alone. How you could fire Dakota Kai, I don't fucking know. You gotta be a half-assed idiot to fire Dakota Kai. Half-witted idiot. And here Triple H is back on his first pay-per-view and he brings her back into the company and a promotion to the main roster. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I'm hyped for that. I'm hyped for that. Bianca Belair went from having zero competition to absolutely take your choice of whoever the fuck you want. To me, that is change. Ronda Rousey. Let's keep it with the women. Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan. Match was fucking atrocious. Match was god-awful. Match didn't even deserve deserve to be on pay-per-view. It was downright terrible. And nobody expected much of it. So, I mean, I'm not really going to say much about it. But the match was terrible. Nobody expected Liv Morgan to be a believable opponent to Ronda Rousey. Nobody expected Liv Morgan to beat Ronda Rousey fair and square. Nobody expected it to be good. Ronda Rousey herself is not even that good. She's just there. She's a name. She brings name value to the women's division. The ending of that match is what everybody's going to be talking about because the ending of the match, finally, and Triple H saw what was going on because 
He's been a big advocate for Ronda Rousey. He saw exactly what was going on. He saw the lack of vision. He saw the the desire to just keep things the same because there is no fucking care. There is no vision in Vince McMahon's WWE or Bruce Prichard's WWE. He saw an immediate, an immediate to change Ronda from what we have saw of her all year to say, you know what, this shit ain't working out. Nobody wanted to talk to you about turning heel. This is my first night on the job. I'm turning you heel, and we're going to do this thing my way, the right way. Ronda Rousey turned heel tonight on WWE, on the WWE fans, on Liv Morgan, and that is the proper role for her. Just little things like that that wouldn't have been done under Vince McMahon's administration Now we see Ronda Rousey potentially, hopefully, playing a role that she is much better at than what we've been given since January, since the Royal Rumble. That is change. This should have happened fucking months ago. And on Triple H's first night in at SummerSlam, changing Ronda Rousey from babyface to heel. That's change. Becky Lynch... Let's keep it with the women. Becky Lynch. Terrible, terrible, terrible as a heel. Now we finally are getting a baby face Becky Lynch. And hopefully, because it wasn't going to be done under Vince McMahon. And it wasn't going to be done under Bruce Pritchard. For whatever reason, oh, Becky Lynch wanted to be heel. Fuck that. Vince McMahon wanted Becky Lynch to be heel. I don't believe none of those stories. It didn't work. It wasn't working. On fir- on night one, it wasn't working. Nobody wanted to boo Becky Lynch. What did Triple H do on his first night in? Cleaned up the fucking mess. He heard the indifference that Becky Lynch was getting. He heard the forced fucking bullshit that was going on with Becky Lynch. Nobody wanted to boo her. He heard all the fucking criticisms online. She sucks. The character wasn't there. All he had to do was flip a switch. We're going to do this with you and abandon everything that was going on. Now you're going to get genuine reaction. Instead of getting reaction that really isn't genuine, it's reaction of indifference. And if you get indifference, that's the fucking killer right there for any pro wrestler. Nobody wanted to boo Becky Lynch. Now, with Becky Lynch siding with Bianca Belair and turning babyface, Now she's going to be in a role that much better suits Becky Lynch. And with the tides turning and the role reversal here with Becky going from heel to babyface and Ronda going from babyface to heel, now we know what our WrestleMania main event or one of them, one of the marquee matches at WrestleMania will be. Ronda, no doubt about it, most certainly, is going to be going to WrestleMania against Becky Lynch. And you saw that play out right. You saw the seed planted for both for that match tonight on SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Nobody had any interest in this match. Everybody said the same thing. Everybody said the same thing. Why, 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 why? This same shit over and over and over and over again. I don't know what the fucking main event was going to be. Rumor had it it was going to be Randy Orton and Roman Reigns. And listen, I would have loved that. I would have loved it. 
It just made sense with Roman going through Riddle and then Roman going through Randy. It, it just made sense. But Randy Orton got hurt. We don't know how long Randy Orton's going to be out. So in comes Brock Lesnar as a last-minute replacement because they lost their main event when Randy Orton went down with a back injury. Everybody said, same shit, shit, same shit. WWE throws up the fucking Brock, Brock Lesnar bat signal. In comes Brock for a payday. In comes the fucking same match that we've seen eight times before. It done for a ninth time tonight. This time in a last man standing match. And they absolutely erased all of the terrible main event that was WrestleMania tonight. And Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns gave you the second best match in their history together. The first one obviously still being WrestleMania 30. What was it? 31 or 33? I don't remember. It's 33 in San Francisco. Play button WrestleMania. That's what I think it was. And, no, was it, was it 33 or 31? I'm terrible with these fucking numbers, man. Ever since they went away from the numbers, I, I forget. 31. Whatever. That match where Rollins cashed in the fucking briefcase and swung the title. Yes, it was that one. 31. 31. I, I got it right the first time. WrestleMania 31 is the second best match in their history since WrestleMania 31. This was every bit of the chaos that you would expect with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns having no rules. You saw shit tonight that I didn't even fucking think was possible in a pro wrestling match, and WWE did it. And shout out to Michael Cole and Corey Graves. They were fucking fantastic on commentary, which was the other subtle change that I'm hearing more and more. At one point, Michael Cole called the fucking WWE Universe, the WWE fans. Somewhere in Stamford, Connecticut, Vince McMahon was having a stroke. Good. Good. Normalcy. The WWE fans, he's on commentary, just emitting organic reaction. Everybody was making lighthearted jokes tonight and joking on each other. It sounded like fucking a group of human beings calling a sporting event. I loved it. This was probably the best main roster night for WWE commentary in decades. Change. Change. Reigns beats Lesnar tonight. We'll go over how and all the chaos that happened. Austin Theory tried to cash in. He got fucking blasted. He did not cash in the briefcase. He was about to. But he did not cash in the briefcase. He still holds it, and my prediction is still on. When he will cash that in, we'll talk about it tonight. SummerSlam gets a thumbs up from me. This wasn't the best SummerSlam of all time. This wasn't a show that WWE absolutely blew everybody away with. There was some down to this show. It did fall off a cliff after Logan Paul. But tonight was very enjoyable. Tonight was a show that showed you changes on the way. Tonight was a show that showed you Triple H needs to continue to clear the poison out of WWE that Vince McMahon had instilled in this company for months going into SummerSlam. And slowly but surely, we're going to get Triple H and his vision showing us how good WWE can be. His vision is going to be shown a little bit more clearly. And Monday Night Raw, Typically, Monday Night Raw after SummerSlam is usually the second biggest Monday Night Raw of the entire year. I have a feeling that we're going to start to see even more so what the vision of Triple H is all about 
on Monday Night Raw because he's starting from a, fr- a fresh slate. He's starting on a fresh, a fresh platform. He's going into Clash at the Castle. That's going to be all him. Whatever he is doing going into Clash of the Castle is going to be mostly all him. That's when we are going to start to see the change in WWE over the next five weeks. But like I said on Friday, when Vince retired, and then on Monday when Triple H was announced as head of creative, you're not going to see change immediately. You're going to see little doses of change. You're going to see things that absolutely needed to be changed. The, the, the little things like the commentary and some of these storyline arcs that didn't make any sense under Vince and Bruce that are being changed. Heel to babyface, babyface to heel. And certain things that are happening on the show, feelings that you get on the show. Things like that are going to start showing themselves first and foremost before he can get in there and really just fucking wipe the slate clean. And I love that. I thought tonight was a very enjoyable show, and we are going to go over everything that happened right now on Off the Script. I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight, man. We are absolutely rocking and rolling. 5,000 in the venue. You guys are unbelievable. Unbelievable. We got 5,000 in here, man. We only got 1,200 likes. Uh, that, that, is, uh, that, is, that is a number that's way off there. I'm going to give you guys a number. And I want you to hit it, because I know you can. We need, we need 2,500 minimum. Hit that thumbs up. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo down below. Go check out all the other content on the channel. It's on the homepage. I've been live all week. We'll be live tomorrow night with episode 438. Make sure you guys hit that join button. It's going to be VIP channel members only. So if you guys want in on the chat tomorrow night, you're going to have to join the channel as a channel member. We're going to talk about everything this week, including all the news and rumors coming out of SummerSlam. It's going to be a packed show. Packed show. So make sure you guys hit that join button down below. Make sure you guys go and... Follow me on social media as well, like I said. At JD from NY206. Thank you to all the new people following me. We got over 42,000 on Twitter. Thank you guys very much. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPTS. Well, actually, no, that's the other one. Code JD at checkout. That's so many fucking codes, man. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. You guys are going to get your free sample on me just for signing up. That's BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring tonight's show right here on Off the Scripts. Let's get into it, guys. Let's get into it. We're going to start off at the top. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair open the show tonight. Open SummerSlam. And I'm not surprised that this opened the show. I'm not surprised that this opened the show. The ladies have no problem opening the show because the ladies know that they're going to give you a barn burn. Now, a lot of people were very afraid. Some people, anyway, were very afraid that WWE may pull the unthinkable here. And do Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair and have it go 26 seconds again. 
I think WWE would have been foolish to do that. I'm glad that they did. I expected something like that as far as the tease goes in the beginning of this match, but we didn't even get that. So we didn't get no replay of last year's SummerSlam match in this match, even teasing or hinting that it was going to end in 26 seconds. Maybe Triple H said, fuck that shit. Should have never even happened in the first place. I'm not even going to go and bother showing people that I even recall that match happening. Because to me, it stifled Bianca Belair's momentum. So, crowd was great. Crowd was very hot for this. Nissan Stadium looked great. It actually looked a lot better in the nighttime when the lights were, uh, you know, on in the stadium and the night sky illuminated Nissan Stadium. I thought the entire SummerSlam feel with the stadium looked great. So, kudos to WWE on that. They both, they both make their ring entrance. They're both in the ring. We get the formal introductions. Both women were very cautious at the start here. They're trying to grapple and wrestle at the start. But Becky went to target Bianca's arm after a takedown, slamming her into the mat face first, and then following with an arm break. Becky wanted to work on the arm for a little bit, and she did, until Bianca Belair hit a face buster with a drop kick, goes for a quick cover, only gets a quick two count. Both women are now on the outside. And Becky, right back to attacking the arm of Bianca. Bianca with the KOD on a barricade in the timekeeper's area. Becky flips over. She quickly gets up and pulls Bianca into the barricade by her braid. And a leg drop then ensues by Becky. She hops on the barricade and drop kicks, or uh, leg drops rather, Bianca Bella over the timekeeper's area. So that was a nice little spot early in the match. So Becky slowed the pace down a little bit. And we saw little glimpses of Bianca trying to mount a little bit of a babyface comeback here. Becky did go for a disarm her attempt early on. Bianca got out of it. Becky dropkicked Bianca to the ring apron. Becky then climbed the second turnbuckle. She went for that signature second rope dropkick. And in a cool spot, Bianca Belair was kind of... Half of her body was on the apron and half of her body was inside the ring. So she was inside the ring with her upper half and caught Becky Lynch off the top row, or the second rope, rather, in in mid-leg drop, and she powerbombed Becky Lynch down as she was hanging off the apron. So that that looked like a great spot there. So they're back on the outside again. Belair hit a glam slam onto the edge of the ring, onto the ring apron. Lynch tried to use Belair's braid, but Belair yanked her into the ring post with it and hit a vertical suplex on the outside. Belair followed in the ring with a moonsault. Goes for a cover, gets a two count. Becky hit a float over stunner, which looked great. And that was off the second rope. I believe Cora Graves called it Diamond Dust. I wasn't sure that had a name, but Cora Graves called it Diamond Dust. Both women started slugging each other with rights. Becky went for a head scissor. Bianca reversed the head scissor. She caught Becky in a KOD. And Becky held on to the top rope to avoid the KOD. Becky quickly saw an opening for a disarmer. Bianca got the bottom rope and rolled to the outside. So now they're on the outside again. Bianca with a KOD on the floor in front of the commentary table. Bianca tried for a countout. She was up to a nine and Becky Lynch got back into the ring. There was another KOD attempt. Becky floats over. She escapes. Bianca... Hits a spine buster. She then goes back up top. Becky is down. 
Becky gets up, knocks Bianca off the top rope. Becky is now up top as they fight on the second rope. Bianca pushes Becky off, but she holds on to Belair's braid, and she pulls Bianca off the top rope, and then she picks Bianca up quickly, delivers a manhandle slam, and that was a two-count, the, t- the closest two-count of the entire match so far for Bianca and Becky Lynch here. Lynch is now getting frustrated. She's slugging Bianca in the back, frustrated that she didn't get the win. Multiple roll-ups from Bianca gets two counts. Now they're back up top. Bianca with a beautiful Spanish fly off the second rope. Bianca gets back up. K.O.D. with an extra sense of authority, which looked fucking great. Probably the best-looking K.O.D. that I've ever seen Bianca Belair deliver. One, two, three. Bianca retains, and she wins over Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. She retains the Raw Women's Championship. Was this match better than the match at WrestleMania? No. No, it was not. In my honest opinion, it was not. I think they did a much better job at WrestleMania. I thought this match was great. I thought the closing sequence was fantastic. Spanish fly into the KOD. I thought the manhandle slam off the off the top rope where she pulled Bianca's uh, braid. I thought that looked great. The women wrestled a very, very, very good match. They work very well together. Excellent together. But I don't think it was better than their match at WrestleMania. I thought that was probably one of the best women's matches all year in any promotion. I did not like this match going in because it really showed you how visionless WWE has been with the women's division. There's no sense of urgency in booking the women's division. They are so afraid of going to anywhere else or anyone else in that division. I don't know what their criteria is to get you into a major program or get some fresh faces moving on up in the division, but the simple fact of the matter, like I alluded to earlier, that this match happened at SummerSlam last year, this match happened at WrestleMania this year, and again at this year's SummerSlam. That goes to show you that there isn't much of a vision in WWE when it comes to women's wrestling. That's going to change. That's going to change. At the end of this match, Becky Lynch put out her hand and shook Bianca Belair's hand and hugged Bianca Belair as they embraced in the middle of the ring. And there was no attack. There was no jealous Becky Lynch. There was no continued heel push of Becky Lynch. Nothing. Nothing of that was shown here. Then all of a sudden, Bailey's theme music hits. She walks down the aisle. She's got this beautiful white jacket and white pants on. She looked fantastic. So good to see Bailey back. My God, is it great to see Bailey back. The best work of her life was done before she went out with injury. An injury that should have never even taken place. An injury we can thank Vince McMahon for. Because he sent key people in the company, like Bailey, to go back to the Performance Center in the middle of the pandemic while WWE was running Thunderdome shows, and he wanted those to wipe off ring rust before they get back in front of a live audience. Meanwhile, little did he know, they were wrestling in front of a live audience because they were on live TV every fucking week. And Bailey got injured. Out for over a year. And my God, did she pick the perfect time to come back because change is imminent. 
Bailey walks down the aisle and she stops in the middle of the aisleway, which was fucking tremendous. Huge ass fucking aisleway at SummerSlam. She stopped there and she started yelling from afar to Bianca Belair. Bianca was shocked. She didn't know what to think. Do you remember me? Do you remember me, Bianca? Bailey is back to take the Raw Women's Championship. Then all of a sudden, we hear Dakota Kai's theme music and see Dakota Kai's graphics show up on the screen. Dakota Kai comes out looking absolutely fantastic. She walks down the aisle and she joins Bailey in the aisleway. Don't know what she's doing here. I stopped doing what I was doing. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, what do we got going on here? Then all of a sudden, we have EO Shirai's theme music play. That vintage NXT theme of EO Shirai hits. She walks down the aisle. For some reason, at this point, Jimmy Smith was calling her EO Sky. I thought it was a fucking botch. Apparently, it's not. Seemingly, it looks like that WWE is constantly changing the names, and that's going to be something that we're going to have to live with. I don't give a shit. Io Shirai, Io Sky, whatever the fuck you want to call her, is on the main roster, and she's standing there next to Bailey and Dakota Kai. I stop. I stop. There's a little tear falling down my face. Not really. Not really. But I am elated to see this site. Got people online. Oh, Triple H already catering to the fucking indie marks. Go fuck yourself. Go fucking blow dick, motherfucker. Give me a break. Catering to the indie marks. Io Shirai may be one of the best women's wrestlers on the fucking planet. Nobody knows who they are. Blah, 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 blah. I don't give a fuck if you don't know who the fuck they are or if anybody else doesn't know who the fuck they are. You're going to soon know who the fuck they are. In five minutes, Triple H transformed the women's division from complete dog shit to probably the best women's division in any promotion, period. Io, Bailey, Dakota Kai, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, Asuka, Rhea Ripley. If you're not excited about that fucking women's division, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here right now. This is what I asked for. Change. I asked for somebody to step in there and give me fucking some sense of order. Some sense of a division. That didn't revolve around one fucking person. And a 24-7 title circus that needs to fucking die in a fire. We got it. We got it now. Bailey coming back and surrounding herself with two people that she tremendously respects is absolutely fucking brilliant. Brilliant. This gives Bianca a pick of the litter as far as competition is concerned. And the kicker in this entire sequence is, and the kicker in this entire scene was, Becky Lynch gets up, and Bianca Belair is staring at her fucking very difficult mountain ahead of her. And Becky Lynch stands there next to Bianca Belair, and she's standing side by side with Bianca as a baby face, as EO, Bailey, and Dakota more than likely will be operating under heels. This had Triple H written all over it. All over it. He immediately took to Twitter 
and posted something online on Twitter with this scene and this replay of all three of these women coming on out. And he states, there's more that I have coming or I'm just getting started. I don't know how this doesn't excite you. I don't. Absolutely fucking fantastic. The women's division finally is in good hands. For everybody, for everybody, oh my God, they changed EO's name. They changed EO's name. Why didn't they change Dakota Kai's name? I'm not even worried about that. I'm not even worried about the name change. We know how good she is. And the best part of all, guys, we know who is booking this division. We know who's in charge of creative. I don't give a fuck what her name is. For all we know, we could have lost her. If Vince McMahon was still in charge, she wouldn't even be on this show. Just take that. Just take that little aspect of it. If Vince was running this show, if Bruce Pritchard was running this show, Dakota Kai's not back in the WWE, and Io Shirai is probably two feet out the door. Meltzer said she was one foot out the door. Meltzer said she was going back to Japan. Meltzer says that stardom had an interest in bringing Io Shirai back. Stardom says, well, we didn't really hear anything about that. All we heard is from people that she knows is that she got called up to the main roster. She'd love to stay where she currently works. Wish granted. Triple H brought EO Shirai, EO Sky to the main roster, and now she's on Monday Night Raw, and we are in for an absolute fucking treat. This is going to be fucking great. Great. Now, I do wonder about SmackDown. I do wonder what they have planned for SmackDown's women's division. Because that is looking a little lacking over there once you compare it to Monday Night Raw. What is their plan over there? Are they bringing Sasha Banks and Naomi back? I would assume so. I would assume that Triple H and Naomi, uh, or Sasha Banks and Naomi, under Triple H, is going to be back in WWE. There's no doubt about it. I was the first one to lead that fucking brigade. Oh, Sasha's going to AEW. Sasha's done with WWE. Not anymore. As soon as Vince and John Laurinaitis and Bruce Prichard were removed from their positions, it opened up the door for Sasha Banks to go back to the WWE because she knows exactly who was at the forefront of that women's division. She knows exactly who was the man there who gave her and Bailey the platform to go out and have the greatest women's match in the history of this business. And that is Triple H. And if you don't think that woman wants to work with Triple H and be back in the WWE knowing that things are finally the way that they need to be. I don't know what to tell you. Sasha Banks is going back to WWE. I honestly think after tonight and what you saw, there's no place she would rather be. Sasha versus EO, Sasha versus Dakota, Sasha versus Bianca, Sasha versus who the fuck ever you want to put in there. With more still yet to come. There are a couple of women in NXT that are going to get a lot of play. Roxanne Perez, Nikita Lyons. We got Mandy Rose doing career work down there. Not really all that big on Toxic Attraction, but I would say that they're probably the next to get called up to the main roster and more than likely go to SmackDown. That's what it seems like to me. Cora Jade's down there. Tiffany Stratton is coming along. Probably my favorite down there. There's some solid acts. So the women's division, I have no problem. I have no problem saying that the women's division right now is in good hands. And to be honest with you, and to be honest with you, 
with everything that you saw tonight with EO, this is going to be great. Because with her potentially leaving the company two weeks ago, she's in now, she's now right now in good hands. And I love that. This is absolutely fucking incredible. This got everybody excited. This popped everybody on social media and rightfully so. Because this itself, this in itself was a long time coming. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Logan Paul, Logan Paul versus The Miz. This, I was not looking forward to at all. This entire storyline was built on, oh my God, a skull-crushing finale coming out of WrestleMania. Oh my God, The Miz and his massive balls or his tiny balls. WWE was selling the fucking fact of the matter in this storyline. The Miz has tiny balls. Childish, childish garbage. Logan Paul, though, everybody was like, oh, my God, Logan Paul signing with WWE. This is a terrible idea. I don't believe they got to bring this guy in and neglect the talent that's on the roster. Normally something I'd say. I was one of the people that said, guys, I I think you're going to need to calm down a little bit. I don't really look at this as a bad signing. I don't think Logan Paul is going to be showcased on the fucking show every week. And I don't think he's going to be made into a WWE champion overnight taking opportunities away from everybody else on the roster. It's a harmless fucking signing. He's got 24 million followers on social media. He's a fucking world-class athlete. He's a major celebrity in the social media realm. This is good for business. I knew that. I'm not an idiot. I knew that. And based on his performance coming out of WrestleMania, I thought he was one of the biggest aspects to me that made WrestleMania... Actually, a decent show. He surprised the fuck out of me. So I was looking forward to seeing what else he brought to the table. I can honestly tell you guys without any hesitation that Logan Paul may be single-handedly the best technical in-ring performer as far as a celebrity is concerned in all of WWE. For every celebrity that WWE has brought in, Nobody, nobody has been better than Logan Paul in history. What Logan Paul did tonight was single-handedly the best celebrity performance in the history of WWE. And I mean that with every fiber of my fucking soul. He was better than Pat McAfee, has been better than Pat McAfee. He's not as over as Pat McAfee, but his performance was better than Pat McAfee. He blew Bad Bunny out of the water. 
This is not even a fucking candle to fucking Logan Paul. Whatever Bad Bunny did at WrestleMania doesn't even hold a candle to what Logan Paul did tonight. This was tremendous. Now, does he need to be a heel? I would say the majority of us say yes. Did this work in WWE's latest attempt to get Logan Paul over as a babyface? I don't know. But the crowd definitely popped for whatever the fuck he brought to the table tonight. I'll tell you that. Logan Paul and The Miz. Very good match. And I'm usually somebody that shits on The Miz quite often. I think The Miz is one of the most boring aspects of WWE television. But tonight, The Miz probably had one of the best matches of the entire evening with Logan Paul. And there was nobody better for Logan Paul to be in that ring with than The Miz. Logan Paul had a springboard moonsault to the outside early on. Miz took control with a code breaker off the ropes. And that looked brutal. Now, I don't know how you guys felt about this. To me, it looked like Logan Paul was throwing some stiff bombs in there against The Miz. And to me, that code breaker off the ropes was something of a paid receipt from The Miz to Logan Paul for all those stiff shots. Those knife-edge chops that Logan Paul was throwing The Miz, they looked ridiculous. Like hardway shots. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overthinking. Champa helped out later by hitting Paul with a cheap shot behind the referee's back. Paul came back with a beautiful-looking blockbuster. Clothesline and a power slam for two. Logan Paul followed with his own version of the it kicks and applied a figure four, but Miz got a rope break off the figure four. The thing with the, the figure four by Logan Paul, I don't know who's training Logan Paul, but when Logan Paul had the figure four done, He was slamming his back on the mat, trying to apply extra pressure to the figure four. I haven't seen that done in years. That's an old school move. That's an old school way to apply the figure four. Not just apply the figure four and just wait there and, you know, yank on the submission. But he had the figure four applied and he was slamming his back, throwing his weight backwards, adding applied pressure to the figure four. That's an old school way to do the figure four. And I appreciated that. To me, that stuck out. The best. So I love that. I thought that was fantastic by Logan Paul. So Miz got the rope break. Logan Paul then hit a a high crossbody and a standing moonsault. He goes for recovery, gets a two count. Champa tried to attack Logan Paul, but the referee caught him and tossed him out of the ringside area. Champa grabbed the chair, decided to sit down at ringside instead. AJ Styles' music hits. And AJ gets a spot on the show after everybody complained that AJ wasn't even booked for this year's SummerSlam. So AJ comes down and he jumps out of the crowd and he attacks Champa, wipes out Champa, chases Champa into the crowd. Logan Paul at this time hit Miz with a version of his phenomenal forearm, which didn't look all that phenomenal. It looked decent, but it wasn't a fucking phenomenal forearm. So he hit the phenomenal forearm, goes for a cover, gets in your fall. Graves called it a pretty good forearm. Not phenomenal, but a pretty good forearm. Logan Paul cleared the announce table, climbed on top of the top rope with the Miz laid out on the commentary table. Maurice was screaming at him at this point. Logan Paul chucked his elbow pad at Maurice, hit her in the face, and Logan Paul hit a Shane McMahon-looking fucking frog splash off the top rope, 
all the way to the announce table, crashing through the table and crashing through the Miz. I didn't think he was going to make it. It looked like from the angle that they shot it, it was going to be too far away. But he nailed it. He nailed it perfectly. He made it all the way. He did the distance plus some. This was tremendous. Crowd went crazy for this. The crowd wasn't really feeling it in the beginning. The crowd wasn't really all that into this, man. There was a lot of indifference before AJ Styles hit the ring. Then AJ came down. You heard his theme music. Crowd went crazy. Then the excitement for what these guys were doing was kind of going up and up and up. And it stayed that way for the majority of this match all the way up until the ending. So after the frog splashed through the table, Logan Paul shoved Miz in the ring and tried a cover, but Maurice distracted the referee. Miz tried to hit Paul with something, but Paul ducked and hit a skull-crushing finale for the pinfall. I believe he tried to hit him with... Miz came down with this mock card of him that was in a plastic casing, a hard plastic casing that had, like, fake diamonds around it. If you guys remember at WrestleMania, I think Logan Paul came down with, like, an $8 million fucking Pokemon card that was encased in glass. I think the Miz tried to replicate that with a picture or a card of himself and hit Logan Paul with it, but he missed He ate a skull-crushing finale, and that was pretty much the end of the match. And Logan Paul gets the victory over The Miz. Like I said, the early part of the match was kind of indifferent. The crowd really wasn't feeling it. They didn't know whether to boo or cheer Logan Paul. And then AJ Styles' music hits, and then the excitement level in Nissan Stadium kind of went up a little bit. And Logan Paul's offense was impressive. It was very impressive. Logan Paul is very good. So for everybody that's doubting Logan Paul or continues to say, oh, this shit sucks, clearly you're not watching close enough. I'd be the first to fucking tell you, A, I hate celebrity appearances, which I do, but the level of dedication and the level of doing what Logan Paul has done so far in his first two WWE appearances is tremendous. This is not just any rinky-dink fucking uh, movie star or social media star coming in there not knowing what the fuck they're doing. Logan Paul showed you he knows what the fuck he's doing. He's selling. He's a little stiff with his shots, but that's going to come with, you know, more repetition. And my God, man, his offense looks fucking great. His offense looks better than some of the fucking people I see on AW Dark. It's great. Absolutely fantastic. This was... Very good. I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised I enjoyed this a lot more than I initially was going into it. Now, with AJ, AJ and Champa, I'm excited about that. Anytime I get AJ or Champa on television, it's good, it's good TV to me. In the ring together, even better. Seemingly looks like we're getting a tag team match at some point, and this is not over with Logan Paul and The Miz. Seems like we're going to get a tag team match possibly at Clash of the Castle with AJ Styles teaming with Logan Paul, being that he broke out the phenomenal forearm tonight against Miz and Champa. So the tag team match that we thought should have taken place tonight is going to take place at Clash of the Castle, and that seemingly is what is being set up with Champa coming out there and trying to distract Logan Paul with AJ Styles making the save and then AJ chasing up Champa and the, the, the distraction and the attempt to cheat to win by the Miz. So I think that's going to be at Clash of the Castle. Should be fun. Should be fun. And then we can move on from this, and Logan Paul can go away until the Royal Rumble, make his Royal Rumble appearance, have a good showing in there, and then we're off to the running. 
And hopefully Triple H will start booking AJ and Champa a lot better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard did. And I hope to God that we start getting people their first names back. Tommaso Champa. One could wish. I thought this was great. Austin Theory. He went one-on-one with Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Not really much to this. Austin Theory was uh, more, more obsessed with cashing in the briefcase and really making his plans known. Oh, no matter who it is, Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, I'm going to cash in this briefcase, and I'm the youngest money in the bank briefcase holder. I'm going to become the youngest undisputed universal champion of all time, blah, 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 blah. He didn't really think very highly of the United States Championship. It was more of an afterthought. So if that's the case, why would the fans give a shit about Austin Theory chasing the United States Championship or this United States Championship match? I think it was a pretty, it was a pretty predictable outcome that Bobby Lashley was going to win this match. And that's exactly what happened. So Theory... He attacked Bobby Lashley with his briefcase before the bell. They made their introductions. Theory attacked with the briefcase before the bell even rang. Bobby Lashley said, ring the bell. Theory continued to attack Bobby Lashley, trying to stay on offense. Theory right out of the gate with a blockbuster on Bobby Lashley. Goes for a quick two count. Theory tried like a fool for a vertical suplex on Bobby Lashley. Failed. Lashley with a couple of clotheslines. Spine buster on Theory. He then rolls to the outside, does theory, grabs his briefcase, and starts walking away. He's giving up on this match. He doesn't give a shit about the United States Championship. So Lashley meets him in the aisleway, stops him. Theory tried throwing the briefcase at Lashley at this point, but Lashley threw him into the barricade. And now they're once again back in the ring. Theory rolled to the apron, delivered a beautiful rolling dropkick for a two-count. Lashley back up again, hits a flat liner on Theory, Theory was up first after the flatliner. Basically no selling it. Both guys begin throwing shots at each other. Theory with a cheap elbow to the side of Bobby Lashley's head. Bobby Lashley got angered, scooped up Theory. Power slam by Lashley. Lashley goes for a spear. Theory leapfrogged Lashley. Lashley went right into the second turnbuckle. Lashley turned right around and saw Theory attempting his rolling drop kick again mid-roll. Lashley picked up and bench-pressed Theory. Drops him down and applies the hurt lock. Theory tapped out almost immediately, and Bobby Lashley retains the United States Championship. Why did Austin Theory tap out very quickly? Because he had aspirations and hopes and dreams of cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase. And from my interpretation, he didn't want to remain and fight in the hurt lock that was going to be more deadly to him. He'd rather give up, save himself. Save himself from injury. Instead of worrying about the United States title, he's going to go cash in and win the undisputed Universal Championship. That's the way I interpret it. But this match was fine. Their match at Money in the Bank was a lot better, but this was fine. It was short, it was sweet, and it was to the point. Nothing really overly important. It will be forgotten tomorrow by the water cooler at work. It's over. Bobby Lashley wins and retains the United States Championship. The Mysterios, Dominic and Rey Mysterio, Buyaka, Buyaka, 619, against Finn Balor and Damian Priest of Judgment Day. They still have The Other Side by Alter Bridge as their theme music, which is easily the best aspect of the entire brand or the entire group of Judgment Day. 
Rhea Ripley's out there. Rhea Ripley's back on TV full-time. That's a good thing to see. So she's out there. It looks like, to me, honestly, I don't know how you guys feel about it. It looks like Rhea Ripley is actually leader of Judgment Day, which I I would not be surprised now that Triple H is running the show because he loves Rhea Ripley. I was not excited about this match at all. If there was anything on this show I was least excited about, it was this. Now, we are rumblings of Edge coming back to WWE, all these vignettes, all these fiery, brood-like vignettes with the fire and the red and a look into Edge's past. We got Kurt Angle's medals. We got Brock Lesnar uh, memorabilia. We got RKO memorabilia. We got Latino Heat license plates, Mick Foley flannel. You name it. You name it. You saw it all in these vignettes that people thought was bright wide initially, but it ended up being for Edge. It was quickly uncovered that it was the return of Edge. Now, we heard that he was supposed to be at Monday Night Raw. He did not show up for Monday Night Raw for whatever reason. I heard that it was a flight delay. Could be the case or not. It was supposed to be Edge and Beth Phoenix. Not really sure. But they pushed it back and had Edge return tonight at SummerSlam. I'll get to that in a little bit. Now, it was at this point in the show with this match where the show started to come down a little bit. We got overly excited about the ladies coming out in the beginning. Dakota Kai and Io Shirai and Bailey all showing up. We were at an all-time high. That was the peak of the show. And then we kind of leveled off greatly all the way up until the main event, and then we got back to that in the main event. So this show was definitely a roller coaster up and down. At this point in the show, it was starting to become night. And the stadium looked so much better in the nighttime. I thought it looked great. So, Balor and Damian Priest had an early advantage in this thing. And they dominated Dominic for a little bit. He finally got a hot tag to Ray, who started coming back against Damian Priest. Balor showed up on the ring apron with a chair, because that's been a thing in this feud. Showed up on the ring apron with a chair. Ray knocked him down and grabbed the chair. He hit Priest with, this was a no-DQ match, by the way. So if you're wondering, well, why is he using a chair? Isn't it a DQ? No, it's a no-DQ match. This was a no-DQ match, and they were still tagging in and out. Don't really understand that. Should have been a Texas Tornado match. There's no fucking rules. You can have two men in the ring, legal at all times, and they're here tagging in and out. One of those little things that gets overlooked. I don't know why, but don't ask me. I don't have a good answer. No DQ match, they're still tagging in and out. So he hit Priest with the chair, then slid under the ropes and splashed Balor on the floor. Priest caught uh, Ray charging with a kick to the chin. Ray came back, set up a 619, but Balor tagged himself in and he intercepted Ray Mysterio. Dominic grabbed Balor's leg as he climbed to the top rope. Ray recovered, met Balor in the corner. He landed a springboard head scissors off the top rope for a two count. Ray and Dominic teamed up, and they were going to land the stereo 619s, but Ripley tripped them up. And this is all legal because it's no DQ, but they're still tagging in and out. Don't ask me, folks. I don't know. I don't know. Priest landed his South of Heaven chokeslam, absolutely beautiful chokeslam by Damian Priest. All of a sudden, the lights go out, and fire began blasting from the stage. They had these steps, 
in the aisleway. There was a stage and a bunch of fiery pillars in the stage or on, on, on in the aisleway on this set. All of a sudden, we see Edge rising up from a platform. He's got a red jacket with spikes on. He's got uh, short hair. I believe he, had, he might have had glasses on, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. But he rises up from the fiery depths of hell. Does Edge. Edge returns to WWE tonight after weeks of vignettes teasing his return. Corey Graves said, something wicked this way comes. Sounds like an Iced Earth reference there, Graves. I appreciate you. I appreciate you very much. Corey Graves knows his fucking metal, bro. Sounds like an Iced Earth reference. Good on Corey Graves. Corey Graves is fantastic. Big Corey Graves mark right here. He marched to the ring, and he met Priest in the aisleway with a huge kick. He big booted him in the face. He then got into the ring. He speared Balor. He speared Priest. He set up Balor for the 619, which Ray and Dominic landed together. Ray then landed a slingshot splash, which he looked like he botched, but he got it. Made the cover, one, two, three, and that was it. That was it. Edge posed with the Mysterios in the ring and laughed as Judgment Day retreated. Now, I didn't get a glimpse of Edge's theme. I don't know if he's coming out to Metalingus from, from Alter Bridge. I don't know if they gave him a new theme. Couldn't hear anything. Couldn't hear anything. But he comes out there with a very brooding, very brooding look, does Edge. I don't want to sound like I'm being negative because I'm in a good mood. I don't want to sound like I am being negative. But the return of Edge to me was incredibly underwhelming. It was incredibly underwhelming. And I don't even blame him for that. I don't blame Edge at all for that. Now, I heard, or we heard from the Observer and other sources that Edge was coming back as the rated R superstar. Now, that could still be a thing. Maybe just doing and playing up this aspect of his character because of Judgment Day, and he's coming back as the executioner. And he's going to execute the Judgment Day. It's going to bring punishment to the judgment. I don't know. We've seen this Edge before. I think everybody really wants to see Edge return back to normal, back to a babyface, back to the rated R superstar, back to what really made us fall in love with him. To me, this was underwhelming, and it's not even Edge's fault. It's underwhelming because of the bullshit that you gave us with Judgment Day. He led Judgment Day, and then they turned on him, and then it was led by Balor and Priest and Rhea Ripley. The group was dead as soon as Edge was booted out as its leader. And they haven't done anything with Judgment Day since. Matches with Ray, matches with Dominic, tag team matches with the Mysterios, crashing the Mysterios' 20th anniversary, Aaliyah getting in the face of Rhea Ripley, fighting over Buddy Matthews. I don't care. I don't care about anything regarding Judgment Day. And now you're throwing Edge into that. And we all know the fate of Judgment Day. When Edge comes back and is seeking revenge, he's absolutely going to demolish his former group. So where does that leave Balor? Where does that leave Priest? Where does that leave Rhea Ripley? Once Edge destroys Judgment Day, Judgment Day is finished. They were finished when they booted him out. And when Edge finally does it himself, they are going to be fucking finished for good. 
So why do I care? Why do I care about this return? Now, I know they're not going to abandon the storyline. They got to tie up again. This is Vince McMahon's sloppy seconds. This is Vince McMahon's leftovers. Triple H has nothing to do with this. He has no choice but to put Edge back in this and have Edge clean up the mess that Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard had started. It sucks, but that's the truth of the matter. Triple H is not just going to abandon this after what we saw on television. It's not going to make any sense. I wouldn't fault him if he did, but you'd be leaving a big logic gap there. And that's not really Triple H's mentality. You got to finish it up. Triple H doesn't really like to leave logic gaps everywhere in his creative writing. But this felt very underwhelming. Incredibly underwhelming. I hope we feel a lot better about it on Monday. Maybe we hear from Edge. Maybe he does something along the lines of teaming with the Mysterios. I don't know who the Judgment Day enlists to battle the Mysterios. Maybe we get Rhea Ripley. Maybe we get a six-person tag team match with Rhea Ripley involved. I would much rather see Rhea Ripley fighting Ray and fighting Dominic than fucking anybody in the women's division. Maybe that's where they go with it. Maybe Triple H has some fucking balls to him and books this six-person tag at Clash of the Castle and we end this shit once and for all. We'll see what happens. But I felt it was underwhelming and I know you guys felt the same way about it. There were a lot of people that texted me, JD, JD, this was underwhelming. I love Edge. Where's the rated R? Superstar. This was very underwhelming as far as the return goes. And I hope we get a little bit more clarity on Monday night. Pat McAfee. He went one-on-one with Happy Corbin. This was another one of those matches that, to me, I didn't really care about coming in. Everybody appreciates Pat McAfee. Everybody thinks Pat McAfee's awesome. Corbin, one of the worst gimmicks in all of pro wrestling, is Happy Corbin. Corbin made his entrance halfway down the ramp. He walked down the ramp and he hears, Bum ass Corbin. He looks around and then he sees a bunch of choir guys standing in the rafters of Nissan Stadium. He looks up, he sees these guys singing, Bum ass Corbin, on top of Nissan Stadium. So he's like, Confused, he said that they're chanting bum-ass Corbin. Pat McAfee comes down the aisle. He's got new theme music. He's got theme music specifically catered to him. And it's catchy. It's very uh, NFL-esque. It's very easy to chant along to. They gave him a chanty theme song. So he walks down the aisle. Graves is on commentary here because Pat McAfee obviously is wrestling. So Graves is on commentary with Michael Cole. And Graves is on commentary telling Baron Corbin that they're on the outside. Or Corbin's waiting in the ring, uh, waiting on the outside with Pat McAfee in the ring. Corbin's on the outside, standing by the commentary table. He yells at, he yells at Corbin, does Graves. Don't break McAfee's jaw because I have a hot wife at home enjo- who enjoys having me home on Friday nights. Meaning that if he hurts McAfee too much, he may have to fill in for Pat McAfee on Friday. And Carmella doesn't want that. Commentary was great tonight. Bell rings. Nissan Stadium starts chanting in unison, Bum-ass Corbin! McAfee with a straight super kick at the start. Hurricane Rana, clothesline to Corbin, who goes over the top rope. McAfee followed him out there. 
Corbin tried to grab Pat, but Pat shoved Corbin into the ring post. Now they get back in the ring. Corbin's up top. McAfee goes up with him. McAfee was trying for his signature superplex, but he flips backwards off the top rope, lands on his feet. Very impressive to see. So he flips into the ring, and he goes for the superplex, flips into the ring. Corbin comes down and delivers a shotgun dropkick to Pat McAfee, and then he goes into the turnbuckle. Corbin in control now, slowing the pace down, methodical. On the outside again, after slowing the pace down, he throws McAfee into the ringside barricade. Back inside again, Corbin goes for a quick cover, gets a two count. McAfee tries to fight back with some shots to the midsection, but Corbin catches McAfee in a beautiful-looking deep six. Corbin has some good offense. He just sucks. His gimmick just sucks. Corbin goes for the slot around the ring, that, uh, that boss man slot around the ring post and back into the ring clothesline. McAfee had it scouted as he hit Corbin coming back into the ring with a wrecking ball dropkick. Corbin's back up. Throws McAfee in front of Michael Cole on the announce desk. Michael Cole is yelling at him. He gets on the commentary headset, starts talking trash to Pat McAfee's parents. He then gets in front of Michael Cole and starts shoving Michael Cole, who's on commentary. Cole's yelling back, the fuck is your problem? What is your problem? Corbin shoving Michael Cole. So Michael Cole gets his own chant of Michael Cole, Michael Cole. Never in a thousand years would I hear 40,000 people chanting Michael Cole's name. Corbin now up top. McAfee jumped to the top rope. Almost slipped. But got up there and delivered a superplex on Corbin for a two count. Both guys are up. They're throwing rights at each other. Corbin backs McAfee into the turnbuckle. Corbin charges. And McAfee moves as Corbin goes into the steel post. McAfee goes up top. Corbin rolls to the outside. I don't know if this was legit or not or if the ropes were slippery. Corbin was up top. I thought he was playing up to the crowd, but it looked like he he was genuinely trying to correct himself and balance himself. He almost fucking killed himself falling off the top rope, but he managed to balance himself. He jumped off the top rope with a swanton bomb for a huge spot on Baron Corbin, and he flies to the outside. Beautifully done by Pat McAfee. Now they're back in the ring. Corbin's back up top again. He misses a move. He rolls through. Corbin tries for the end of days, which I think is a great finish. McAfee reverses. Referee inadvertently gets knocked down because Corbin punched, uh, or McAfee rather, punched Corbin. Corbin went into the referee, knocked the referee down. Pat McAfee sees an opening here. He kicks Corbin between the legs, gives him a, a shot right to the fucking dick, and he goes down. McAfee goes up to the second rope. McAfee delivers a second rope code red, which looks sloppy as hell, but it got the job done. Pins Corbin, one, two, three, and Pat McAfee wins, as he should have, over Happy Corbin. I think this was entertaining to an extent. Clearly, Logan Paul had the best celebrity appearance of the night and the best celebrity in-ring work of the evening. This was probably Pat McAfee's worst match. Not to say that it was bad. He just had a little bit of a rough night out there. I don't know if it was hot and humid or how hot and humid. I know it was hot and humid. I don't know how hot and humid it was in Nashville, Tennessee. 
Looked like the ropes were slippery. Looked like Rey Mysterio even slipped in the match before this, trying to do uh, the big splash over the top rope. Looked like he slipped. I don't know. Or maybe the ropes needed tightening. I don't know. But this was entertaining enough where it was a passable match. And I think out of all the celebrity appearances that we've seen so far this year, Logan Paul still stands atop for me as the number one guy in WWE as far as celebrity appearances is concerned. So I loved it, and uh, I can't really hate on it. Can't really hate on it. Rough, but it was entertaining enough for me. After this, we got Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was out there. He walked out to his music. He had Angela in hand, his sword. Angela, the sword. He's out there cutting a promo. And I don't know how you guys felt about this. It felt like Drew McIntyre went out there and cut a completely unscripted promo. Which McIntyre should be the type of guy that you send out there cutting unscripted promos. I felt different about this. It sounded completely genuine and from his, his own vision or his own words. So he walked out there. He's got a microphone. Says he loves Nashville so much. He noted the Titans are in the house. He says it's the home of the new number one contender referencing himself because he beat Sheamus on SmackDown for the number one contendership. He's now going to wrestle Roman Reigns in the UK on September 3rd. He talked about his fight with Sheamus. He said he could barely get out of bed this morning, but it was all worth it. He said he wanted to talk about the main event. Let's talk about Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the first time ever. People were confused. This is like the ninth time that Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns are going at it in the main event. He then paused and said, well, wait a minute. In Nashville, Tennessee, the first time ever. Joke didn't go over well. I think people were a little annoyed by that. And he made fun of the fact that they kept wrestling each other. That's why he said that. So if everybody trying to reach out to me saying, well, J.D., why did he say that it was the first time ever? It was more of an inside joke that they are playing on us because they know And it's ridiculous. It might have been a cheap shot at Vince McMahon, to be quite honest with you. It might have been a cheap shot at the old administration. Because that's all they do. That's their bread and butter. They go back to Brock and Roman every fucking event because that's what they think draws money. Well, that's what they think is a big spotlight headline main event. Sounded like it was an inside joke to me from the new administration to the old. Having Drew McIntyre go out there. Yeah, first time ever making, making a joke of it. Yeah, in Nashville, Tennessee. So he's talking about this match. He asked the kid at ringside what his name is. He said, it's the first Brock Lesnar match ever in front of a cult. He kept making fun of it. Fans left. Drew says he didn't care who won. He will meet whoever wins this match at Clash at the Castle. Maybe we should. Maybe we should script Drew McIntyre. Now that I'm reading this back after what I wrote, maybe we should script Drew McIntyre cutting promos out there. Doesn't sound good. Actually, it sounds a lot worse me reading it than actually me listening to it tonight on the actual show. Should be a great match. I expect Drew McIntyre to win the world championship from Roman Reigns in Cardiff. Street Profits. They went up against the Usos, and this was for the WWE Tag Team Championships. Everybody was expecting this to be matched tonight. I expected it to be match of the night. You expected it to be match of the night. I thought this was going to be a barn burner of a match. I even said on Friday when I was live after SmackDown, 
and that tremendous segment that they had with Jeff Jarrett on Friday Night SmackDown. A lot of energy came out of that segment. I said, Triple H, now that he's in charge of creative, Triple H is going to try and one-up Ring of Honor. Going to try and one-up Tony Khan. FTR and the Briscoes had probably the second best match of the entire year. Whichever you guys want to choose, it's up for debate. FTR Briscoes 1 and 2 will be the first and second best match of 2022 when the calendar year is over. I thought Triple H was going to go out there and let these two guys, let these two teams go out there and tear the house down at Nissan Stadium. That did not happen. We talked about Edge and his return tonight, underwhelming. This was underwhelming and disappointing. Not that it was a bad match. It wasn't a bad match. I just expected a lot more than what we got tonight. They did not even come close to FTR and the Briscoes. They didn't even come close to what these two teams did at Money in the Bank. Not one fucking candle could have been held to what these two teams did not even 30 days ago. Their match at Money in the Bank was great. Their match at Money in the Bank is going to be on the top 10, top 15 list for WWE at the end of the year. This, no. This was a completely underwhelming and disappointing match. Again, not to say it was bad, but I expected a whole hell of a lot more from these two teams. Profits made their entrance. They had the Tennessee Titan cheerleaders out there with them. They came out dressed up in Titan jersey colors, which looked fantastic. I don't know who was in charge of that. Mikaze or whoever. Absolutely fucking incredible. The Street Profits looked the best, I I think, tonight they've ever looked. The colors on them were fantastic. So they came out there. Usos came out. Michael Cole says they've been champs for 376 days. How you feel about that, I don't know. Honestly, to me... The Usos are the Usos. I know why they're champs for 376 days. is because Roman is still the champion himself. And they are champions for 376 days because, let's be real, the tag team division is non-existent in WWE. And the titles are not going to the Viking Raiders. They're not going to the Los, Los Lotharios. They're not going to the New Day. There's no teams in WWE right now that are even on the same planet as the Usos. Jarrett was the special guest referee here. Double J, Jeff Jarrett. He played absolutely no factor into this match. None. To me, honestly, I felt at one point he was actually taking away from the Usos and the Street Profits. At the end of this thing, when this thing was over, he played absolutely no factor into anything. It was almost as if he didn't even need to be there. WWE wanted him there for whatever reason. They could have went about it a completely different way. They could have appointed a regular referee there in the match and a second referee on the outside just in case anything happens, an extra set of eagle eyes on the outside. No, they want the double J there. He did nothing to enhance the match at all. So he was aggressive early on with Jared, enforcing the rules, pulling Dawkins off of the Usos after uh, he did not adhere to a five count, did the same thing to Jay Uso. When Jay tagged out, Jarrett yanked him out of the ring and tried to get some extra on Dawkins. Five count, please listen to me. When I count five, you back away. So he was really aggressive with the rules. Ford ducked a charging Uso team who then tumbled over the top rope. Dawkins then flipped Dove onto both of them 
kind of overshot both of them, but they were really, and you guys heard this. I know I'm not the only one that heard this. They were really egging it on on commentary. Oh, Dawkins, he was on After the Bell with Corey Graves, and he was talking about how he feels disrespected, that he had to step up his game because Montez Ford is getting all this praise and all this adulation, and Montez and Montez and Montez is so intense. He's got to step up his game. They really sold that fact on commentary tonight. So Dawkins slipped over over the top rope. Yeah, Angelo Dawkins. Yeah, who needs Montez, right? Don't doubt Angelo Dawkins. They're, they're really egging it on at this point. So he had a spinning neck breaker in the ring for a near fall on Jimmy did Dawkins. Cole was talking about how Jarrett was being a great referee out there. Usos rallied. Jimmy tagged in. Hit a frog splash on Dawkins for two. Graves said Jarrett made sure he was in great position to be sure he had a clear view of the shoulders in this match. Jay tagged back in. Usos then both leaped off opposite corners with a stereo splash. Four broke up the cover. Now we got all four guys who were down in this match, slow to get up. Jarrett began a slow count. Jay got up, went for a super kick. But he nearly hit Jarrett after Dawkins ducked. Jarrett caught his boot, swung his leg around. Dawkins then gave Jimmy a sidewalk slam. Ford landed a frog splash on Jay. I thought this was the end of the match. But Montez Ford, what he typically does when he hits a perfect frog splash, he rolls over, flips over. He takes about an extra seven seconds to crawl over and make the cover because the impact of the frog splash is so intense. He crawls over, he makes a cover, believable near fall, didn't get the job done on Jay Uso. He took a few seconds to make the cover after selling that. Ford angrily yelled at Jeff Jarrett at this point, showing how Montez is getting frustrated. Montez is showing anger here, key in this match. Cole says he didn't understand what the argument was. Maybe he thought Jeff Jarrett was counting too slow. I thought Jeff Jarrett was counting fast all night. When Ford went for a dive through the ropes, the Uso super kicked him out of midair. They threw him into the ringside barricade. They stereo super kicked Dawkins next. They landed the 1D on Dawkins for the 1, 2, 3. The Usos. The Usos have retained the WWE Tag Team Championships. Now, I don't know what you guys thought about the camera shot. If you guys were watching the camera shot on Montez, he he looked like he was completely out of it, man. He looked like he was staring off into la-la land. Just staring off, very just disappointed. He almost didn't even acknowledge Angelo Dawkins, who was sitting right next to him. Now, from the vibe I got on social media... It certainly looks like Montez is starting to show his anger a little bit. What he's showing his anger about, I don't know. Why he's upset at Jeff Jarrett, who did the fucking job he was appointed to do, I don't know. He was upset that Jeff Jarrett didn't count the three count. He thought it was a three count. Jarrett was counting fast all night. He was counting faster than a regular referee. So why is he angry? Who is he angry with? Can't be angry at the Usos. It's not their fucking fault. He's going to end up blaming Angelo Dawkins. He's going to end up splitting from Angelo Dawkins. I have a feeling that this is going to be the biggest thing you guys look at as far as 
What happened to the street profits? They're going to tear the street profits apart. And at that point, I don't know who the fuck is left in the tag team division. I honestly think that's a terrible mistake. I really do. Yes, I get it. I get it. You want Montez Ford as a singles guy. He put on a whole hell of a lot of muscle. He's got charisma for days. He's going to be the next breakout guy. Strap the rocket to him. Let him fly. But what does that mean for Angelo Dawkins? Angelo Dawkins in this new administration is safe. They're not going to get rid of him. If this was Vince McMahon and they split the street profits, Angelo Dawkins would be seeing termination in the next six months. But to me, I don't think this is the right move to make. You have no tag team division. WWE tonight, Triple H tonight, absolutely revived the women's division on Monday night and on Monday Night Raw in five minutes. Why don't we do that same thing with the tag team division? And then if you want to toy with the idea of breaking up the street profits, then you can toy with the idea of making Montez into a singles guy. But not right now. Not right now. Who's next for the Usos? Who is next for the Usos? The only thing I could see, honestly, and we saw a lot of video packages. We saw a lot of vignettes tonight. And I don't know if that was the plan going in or if that was a Triple H thing. Triple H always said, oh, we want we want video packages highlighting people and giving people, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that package in front of a live audience. We want people to be anticipating hype returns. And, you know, Kevin Owens was showcased and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Charlotte Flair. That's what they should be doing for NXT call-ups. I don't know if that was a Triple H thing tonight or if that was a planned thing from the get-go, but there were a lot of vignettes hyping up certain people. One of those people tonight was Kevin Owens. KO show, hyping up Kevin Owens, highlights of Kevin Owens on Monday Night Raw. We could be, and I've said this weeks ago, with Sami Zayn being an honorary Oos, it may look like WWE is moving on from the Usos and the Street Profits, and they're going to start formulating a plan with Sami Zayn on SmackDown where he gets kicked out as honorary Oos, and he enlists his best friend, who kind of told him months ago, they don't give a fuck about you in the bloodline. Roman and the Usos don't give a shit about you. What the fuck are you doing? He's going to enlist Kevin Owens, and that's going to be your tag team title feud going forward. And I am excited about that because Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, they ain't doing much of anything right now. You want to put them together in a tag team, they're two of the most entertaining guys in the entire roster. I think that would be great. KO and Sammy versus the Usos, take my fucking money, man. You could be looking at a tag team match of the year right there with those four guys. But breaking up the Street Profits right now is not the way to go. Yes, I know Montez is money. I get it. But Angelo Dawkins, what happens to Angelo? In this administration, I don't know. Does he become a breakout guy like Montez? Probably not. Probably not. Where does he go? Does he get a new tag team partner? A lot of questions. More questions than there are answers with this. And I hate seeing great tag teams broken up this early. And really, they've done everything that they could. SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Raw Tag Team Champions, NXT Tag Team Champions. What else is there for them to do? Build a fucking division and give them a solid division to work with, then break them up. Seems like they've only been there with the Usos, and that's about it. Can't really get behind it right now. Even though I'm there in the long run, I'm not there right now in the short term. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle ran into the ring. It's not medically cleared. They took Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle off the show tonight. Probably the one match I was looking forward to most. 
but I can't hate on it because Triple H took it off the show because he wants to build it more so to make it feel more important over the next five weeks going into Cardiff. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that at all. Matt Riddle ran into the ring. For some reason, he painted his fingernails red. I don't know what that was about. Don't ask me. Maybe you guys have a better explanation than I do. It's kind of bizarre. Ran into the ring. Not medically cleared to compete. He told security at ringside to shut up. He called Seth Rollins to get his ass into the ring. Michael Cole says he has a spinal injury due to the stomp that Seth Rollins gave them in their match. Or uh, after his match on Monday, rather. On steel steps. So it was all Seth Rollins' fault that this match was canceled. Realistically. Seth came out. Crowd of referees and officials tried to talk him out of it. Seth ran past all of them. And they met in the aisleway. They started brawling. They had a pull-apart brawl. Seth ran into the ring. Riddle threw some kicks. Seth punched Riddle, who dropped to the mat. Seth then gave him another curb stomp with Adam Pearce pleading to get out. Seth then was listening to the fans chant his theme, which is great. It sounds like a soccer-like anthem in a large stadium. It sounds great. They were singing his song, and he walked away after the damage was done on Matt Riddle. So we're getting this at Clash of the Castle. And it's funny, you know, a couple of years ago, Rollins was refusing to work with Matt Riddle because of something Matt Riddle's ex-wife said on social media. And she highlighted Becky Lynch. She didn't really say anything directly to Becky Lynch. But she highlighted the women's roster not looking as good as her. And she had a picture of Becky Lynch and claimed that most of the women in WWE really, really, really need to work on their glutes. Basically saying most of the women in WWE have fucking pancake asses. Clearly, Seth Rollins took offense to this. Because it came from Matt Riddle's camp and Matt Riddle's ex-wife. And being that she picked a picture of Becky Lynch, Rollins did not take too kindly to this and refused to work with Matt Riddle for a couple of years. And now water is under the bridge. He let bygones be bygones. And they are about to have a great fucking match at Clash of the Castle. And they've been working together for the last several weeks. So I'm glad that they are back on the same page. And I'm glad that there's no animosity there. But it was a big thing coming out of this injury angle that Triple H put a stop to this match. Who's Seth Rollins going to wrestle at SummerSlam? He didn't wrestle anybody. He didn't wrestle anybody. And through all the speculation that people were talking about, who's Rollins going to wrestle at SummerSlam? Is it going to be the return of Bray Wyatt? Is it going to be the return of Edge? Is it going to be Carmelo Hayes? Is it going to be Johnny Gargano? Dolph Ziggler was fucking trending today. Thank God. Thank God. Goldberg. You name it. There were names thrown. Randy Orton. I heard Randy Orton's name thrown about a lot. No, Randy Orton's hurt. Johnny Gargano, Carmelo Hayes, Solo Sokoa, names like that. He didn't wrestle anybody. I made a good case for all five. I talked about it on the podcast. But none of those names were brought up. Triple H did not make an additional splash with any more returns or any more call-ups on SummerSlam tonight. He just left it off the show. He put a segment into the show tonight where Rollins curb-stomped Matt Riddle, and that was it. No more, no less. 
Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. Thank God she didn't speak tonight. Maybe she gets a new mouthpiece. I don't know. Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan. This was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This match sucked. This match was a fucking dumpster fire. Ronda just sucks. I'm sorry. I can't stand Ronda. Ronda somehow has gotten worse from her first run. I don't even know how the fuck that's possible. Liv Morgan, nobody believed Liv Morgan was going to win. With the, uh, she, there was nobody out there that was going to think Liv Morgan was going to win this match. No, Nobody. How could you take Liv Morgan to be a serious threat to Ronda Rousey? She's like a fucking Cabbage Patch doll in there against Ronda Rousey. You knew she was going to get thrown around. You knew she was going to get fucking owned in this match and beat up. She was throwing Liv Morgan around like a fucking doll. Which is the, the right way to go about it. None of it was good. We don't even know why this match was on the fucking show. This shit sucked. Ronda made her entrance. Morgan came out. Cole said this is her first SummerSlam match. Is that really true? Is this Liv Morgan's first SummerSlam match? My God. How long has she been here? He says he won't apologize for being a Liv Morgan fan. But she has her work cut out for herself. Ronda judo threw Liv Morgan in the opening segments of this match. They took it to the floor. Morgan managed to end up locking Rousey's arms behind her in a submission. Rings of Saturn. She got on Ronda Rousey. Rousey lifted Morgan, but Morgan dropped down, yanked Rousey down with a crucifix driver for a two. There was a lot of miscommunication here, a lot of fumbling about. They couldn't get the proper uh, crucifix applied. It was sloppy. It was off tilt. Her shoulders, the Ronda's shoulders at one point weren't all on the mat. You saw Liv Morgan saying something to Ronda. This was a fucking mess. This was a mess. So after the botched crucifix pin, Ronda Rousey applied her arm bar in the ropes. Rousey had to release because Liv got to the bottom rope. Rousey took Morgan down. Arm bar, middle of the ring, but not before mouthing off to the crowd. She applied the arm bar. Morgan then got to the bottom rope with her boot to force another break. Rousey applied another arm bar. Morgan again rolled to the bottom rope to force a break. Cole said Rousey was becoming frustrated. Rousey continued to attack Morgan's arm. How much of this can Liv Morgan take, says Michael Cole. How much of this can JD take? I'm about fucking done with this shit. So as the bell rang, I was fucking over it. So Rousey's shoulders were down as the referee counted three when Rousey had the arm bar locked in on Liv Morgan. Now, why did her shoulders get counted three? Because this was theoretically a pinning combination. She had a arm bar applied. Her shoulders were on the mat. She was on the mat with her shoulders on the mat. She was up in the arm bar with Liv Morgan on her feet. So when the referee saw Rousey's shoulders down, he started counting one, two, three. Now, before he actually hit the three count, Liv Morgan on camera was shown tapping out. So she tapped out before Ronda's shoulders were actually counted three. Referee did not see Liv Morgan Tap out to the armbar. So in the referee's eyes, Ronda's shoulders were down. 
Liv Morgan had propelled her body weight on top of Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey loses the match. One, two, three. The match was an abomination. Probably the worst SmackDown, probably the worst women's title match all year. But the finish, the finish was all Triple H. The finish was brilliant. After the match was over, we saw Ronda Rousey become frustrated. Referee never saw this. On replay, Morgan clearly tapped out. And she attacked Liv Morgan after the bell had rung. She's arguing with the referee. She tapped. She tapped. She, you didn't see her tap. She tapped out. She got so frustrated, she blasted Liv Morgan and beat down Liv Morgan. She took the referee down as well. Crowd is booing Ronda Rousey. I'm sitting there with a fucking huge-ass smile on my face saying to myself, finally, finally, Vince is gone, Bruce is gone, Triple H gets in there on night one and finally sees, or has he seen it all, I know, he's seen it since day one, what the fuck are you guys doing to my girl Ronda? He gets in there and on day one starts cleaning up the fucking mess that Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon have neglected since January. Ronda Rousey needs to be a heel. She is Fucking awful in every sense of the word. She sucks as a babyface. If Ronda was a heel, which I hope to God this is the beginning stages of, she would be a lot much, a lot more natural, much more natural on the microphone. Hell, even give her Paul Heyman. I think she needs a fucking special counsel. I don't know about you guys. I think we get Ronda Rousey a pairing with Paul Heyman. That's something that needs to be, should have been, done already. But Ronda Rousey seemingly has turned heel, and this is the absolute best thing for her. Now, I don't know what we're going to see moving forward. Is Ronda legitimately going to be a heel? I hope so. What's going on with Liv Morgan? Liv Morgan clearly tapped out. They're going to address this on Friday. Ronda's not going to let this one go at all. I think in the meantime... We get Charlotte Flair back on television in the next five weeks. Charlotte comes and she interjects herself in the fucking title picture because Charlotte can't have a single moment where she's not involved in a fucking title program. And nobody wants to see Charlotte Flair back on television. I'm coming back to get my women's championship, Charlotte Flair. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see her back. So everybody thought we were going to get her tonight. We didn't get her tonight. Liv Morgan beats Ronda Rousey in the way that it needed to be done. Ronda was protected. Liv Morgan couldn't lose. And WWE books that ending the way that they do. Perfectly. Now the ball is rolling. Again, a subtle change that needed to be changed with Ronda. And now we're moving forward into Friday. It's perfect. The match sucked. If this is going to be Liv Morgan's title reign, she's not going into the Cardiff show on the best foot. I truly believe that Cardiff, Clash of the Castle, is Liv Morgan's final day as women's champion. It doesn't even feel like, oh my God, Liv Morgan deserves it. I honestly feel like it was a token title victory. They gave it to her because they needed a baby face on the roster because Sasha Naomi walked out. This should have been fucking two, three years ago. Liv Morgan waited all this time, and now it just doesn't feel special. And then WWE, they don't really make it feel special. I don't even feel it is as special as it should be with Liv Morgan. Especially not against women like Ronda Rousey. 
Let's get Liv in there against women that are actually on her level. Putting her in there against Ronda Rousey isn't going to necessarily make Liv Morgan look any good. Liv Morgan may be a better worker than Ronda Rousey. But I felt that all of this with Ronda needed to be a heel. We're getting that. And I honestly feel that Liv Morgan is going to be, um, in the next five weeks, I don't think she's going to be the, the, the SmackDown Women's Champion. I don't. I think this is it for her. The main event of the evening. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. This was a last man standing match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Before this match was uh, getting underway, they had Glenn Jacobs out there. They sent Mayor Kane out there to announce to the crowd that the attendance tonight in Nissan Stadium was 48,449. So great of WWE to send out Mayor Kane to add 10,000 people to the overall number of, of, uh, of, might as well be WrestleMania, of SummerSlam. There was no way this was near 50,000 people. No way. They barely had 38,000 tickets to this thing sold. They added 10,000 numbers. They added 10,000 people to the overall number of this show. Typical WWE, man. They got to embellish. They got to lie about everything. WWE lies about everything. Last man standing. I did not have any interest in this whatsoever. Roman Reigns may... You, th- you thought Roman Reigns' entrance was long in a regular Friday night SmackDown. Holy shit. This guy's got a football field-sized fucking aisleway to walk down. This guy took his sweet-ass time and then got on the microphone and told Nashville and SummerSlam to acknowledge him. He loves himself, doesn't he? Lesnar came out, he hops into a tractor, and he gets into a fucking tractor, puts on a cowboy hat, puts on a flannel shirt, drives the tractor to the ring, he climbed the tractor and posed for the crowd, and he's standing there like he's fucking Farmer Joe, standing amongst the Nashville fucking people. So, Mike Rome is doing the introductions. Lesnar told him to shut up. Lesnar introduced himself as a big-ass country boy weighing 285 pounds here to kick Roman Reigns' ass. As soon as Rome finished Reigns' intro, Lesnar jumped off the tractor, dropped Reigns with a fez press off the tractor, and then the bell rang and the match was underway. So we're off and running here. This was going to be a fucking shit show of epic proportions. Lesnar beat the shit out of Reigns early on, suplexing him around the ring. Heyman distracted Lesnar, and Reigns put him through a table with a Samoan drop. Lesnar beat the 10 count and did after Reigns put him through another table with a urinagi. So we got two tables broken right away. Lesnar's back was bleeding. Reigns hit a Superman punch, but Lesnar only fell to a knee, so Reigns hit another. Reigns hit a spear, but Lesnar got up at a seven count. Reigns tried for another spear, but Lesnar sent him to the outside. Lesnar slammed Reigns onto a broken half of a table, which looked like it sucked. I legitimately thought Roman Reigns was injured. When Lesnar slammed him on the broken half of that table that was broken on the outside, I legitimately thought he injured his arm all over again. 
Even Corey Gray saw that Rent Reigns may be hurt. It looked painful. Lesnar then backed, he got into the tractor again. He started backing the tractor up. I don't know what had uh, happened here. I don't know what was going on. Maybe he decided to move it away from the ring because it was dangerously close to the ring. So maybe he didn't want anybody getting extra hurt here, and he backed the tractor away from the ring. He hit Reigns with steel steps and another broken piece of a table. Reigns got an eight count. He gets up. Lesnar then shocked Reigns into the front loader of the tractor and dumped him into the ring. I thought this was going to be a lot cooler than it actually was, but he just kind of flopped into the ring after being loaded into the front end of the tractor. He lifted Reigns up in the front end of the tractor, then lowered it, and then dumped him out like he was dumping, dumping fucking trash in a dumpster. It did not look good. It looked good in theory, but it did not look good after he dumped Reigns out of the front end of the track. I don't know what the fuck he was going for, but it was not a good bump at all. Lesnar followed by giving Reigns three straight German suplexes, but Reigns got up at an eight. Lesnar hit an F5 and Reigns beat the 10 count. Reigns reversed another F5 attempt into a guillotine, but Lesnar countered into a guillotine of his own. The ref told Lesnar to let go. It looked like Reigns had passed out. Reigns was motionless. Reigns got up at a nine count, if you even want to say that. He was not up at a nine count. He was barely fucking teetering on a 10, and it did not look like he was up on his two feet. He was punch drunk at this point, but they let it go. They let Reigns continue the match. Lesnar got in the tractor again. And this time, this was fucking crazy. Lesnar gets in the tractor again, and he propels the tractor into the ring, and the ring shifted. He legitimately moved the fucking ring at ringside, a couple of feet at least. He then put the front loader underneath the ring and lifted the ring up. Reigns, like a piece of fucking trash, Rolled out of the ring. The ring is now propelled in the tractor. You got one half of the fucking ring lifted up. And the other, it's like a huge fucking slope. This looked like the craziest thing that I've ever seen. I never in a million years watched pro wrestling. All my years watching pro wrestling. Never seen a ring and a ringside area look like it did after this match was over. This was reminiscent of what fucking the Nexus did to John Cena. Unbelievable. Carnage everywhere. What a fucking sight to behold. I can only imagine sitting there behind this mess. You couldn't see shit. The people that were there at ringside with the ring lifted up, you couldn't see shit. I don't know what the fuck you guys were looking at. You got a clear glimpse of everything underneath the ring, though. But it looked great. It looked fantastic. So the ring is propped up. Crowd is popping for this shit because it's carnage. Nobody expected this. All of a sudden, the Usos show up to attack Lesnar. He suplexed both of them. Heyman is begging, begging Lesnar at this point. Stop, stop, stop. This is my tribal chief. Stop. You want the belts? Take the fucking belts. He legitimately hands both titles to Brock Lesnar. Lesnar says, fuck this shit. I'm going to fucking end this guy right now. He takes the titles from Eamon, throws them away, 
after Lesnar was being, you know, in this situation, Heyman was begging him. He didn't want to hear nothing from Paul Heyman. All of a sudden, Lesnar grabbed Heyman, gave him an F5 through the announce table, and that looked like the most normal bump in the entire fucking match. He goes through the announce table. Reigns spears Lesnar. They both get up at a nine. All of a sudden, Austin Theory's music hits, and he runs down the aisle with a referee and his briefcase. He hit Reigns in the head with the briefcase, and before he could officially cash in the briefcase, he handed it to the referee. He didn't really give a signal or not. Lesnar sees this. He picks up Theory, gives him an F5, and Theory is taken out of the match. We don't see or hear from him again. Usos used the distraction to pop Lesnar with more super kicks. Lesnar got up at a nine count. Reigns hit a spear, but Lesnar got up at a nine count. Reigns grabbed the briefcase and hit Theory before hammering Lesnar with it. Lesnar got up again at a nine count. Michael Cole was tremendous on commentary here. Corey Graves and Michael Cole sold the shit out of Brock Lesnar continuing to get up at a nine count. This may have been one of Michael Cole's best nights on the main roster behind the commentary booth. Fantastic. So he's selling this, and he gets up, he gets up, he gets up. Reigns hit Lesnar with a a, a title belt. He gets up. Everything. Everything that's being thrown at him. He gets up at a nine, does Lesnar. Reigns hit Lesnar with the belt again before he and the Usos buried Lesnar underneath pieces of table, steel chairs, the ring steps. There was even a fucking computer monitor on there, I believe. Reigns then stands on top of this pile, and Lesnar does not beat the 10 count. Referee counts to 10, and Reigns conquers the mountain that is Brock Lesnar in this match. Reigns hugged the Usos. He hugged Heyman, and they all walked up the aisle. Reigns held the title belts up. Fireworks went off, and that is the way the show went off the air. This was the second best match that Lesnar and Reigns had in their nine matches all together between each other. This was something that I was not interested in going in. They absolutely blew WrestleMania out of the water. Whatever the fuck they did at WrestleMania, that was one of the worst WrestleMania main events of all time. Typical Brock Lesnar match, typical fucking spear, Superman punch, F5, Superman punch. German suplex fucking times 20, spear. Same shit. Same shit. It's like a fucking video game. It's like you're playing WWE 2K22 and you got unlimited fucking finishing. That's exactly what a Brock Lesnar match is. Tired of it. I don't really give a shit. For all the people that claim Brock Lesnar was unprofessional, me included. Brock Lesnar was anything but unprofessional tonight. He did the job. He worked his ass off. I thought tonight was... Chaos at its finest, man. When you watch pro wrestling, you think of what you saw tonight in that match with Reigns. It was fucking crazy, unpredictable, just fucking out of this world, over-the-top, carny bullshit, but I loved every fucking minute of it, man. That was a great main event. That really was. And Reigns wins the title, as he uh, retains the title. He's going on 700 days. That was the right outcome there. There was nobody else that should have won that match. Theory, no cash-in, thank God. Brock Lesnar winning the title. You're not going to have Roman Reigns carry the fucking titles around for 700 days 
and then have him lose to Brock Lesnar of all people. What a waste of fucking time that would have been. This match was fun. It was great. And it was chaos, man. It was everything you would expect from a match that had no rules, last man standing, and Brock Lesnar able to do whatever. You knew this shit was going to be a shit show when Lesnar drove a fucking tractor to the ring. I had a blast watching this, and it was awesome. The overall show, it peaked with Io Shirai or Io Sky now. Ridiculous. Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, and Bayley coming back, solidifying the newest power force in the women's division, Logan Paul had a tremendous night. And after that, the show kind of went downhill a little bit, and it stayed there. It wasn't a huge slope. It wasn't like a fucking terrible night on Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown in the Vince McMahon era. But it kind of sloped down a little bit, and then it peaked back up with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. But it was not a bad show by any means. It wasn't the greatest SummerSlam of all time, but it was not a bad show, and it's a great beginning stage But what Triple H has in store for us moving forward, I'm very excited to see what happens on Monday Night Raw because you know that that, again, we're not going to see immediate change. It's not going to be felt in the first week. It's going to be a month, three months, six months. You're going to need to be patient with this. I'm going to tell you guys every fucking week, when you see change, you'll feel it. When I see change, I will let you guys know. But Monday Night Raw, to me, is going to be a must-see show. That is going to be clean slate. We wipe this Vince McMahon SummerSlam build, fucking lazy, fucking piece of shit build that Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard put together. Triple H was in charge. He turned Ronda heel. He brought up Io Shirai, brought back Dakota Kai. Bailey is back, right? Got the Liv Morgan-Ronda ending. Lesnar and Reigns is now out the window. Now we can build towards Reigns and McIntyre. Montez Ford potentially turning hill on Angelo Dawkins. This is all going to be under the Triple H administration. These are exciting things. Maybe Montez not so much, but we'll see what happens. But this is an exciting time. Monday is going to be a fresh start. Monday is going to be more of a fresh start than it was this past Monday at Madison Square Garden. And I'm very much looking forward to because SummerSlam Typically, is the second biggest Monday Night Raw of the year after SummerSlam. But I thought this was a very good show. It gets a thumbs up from me. I thought everybody worked their ass off. I thought it was a fun night with huge potential for growth. Shout out to Michael Cole and Corey Graves, who did a tremendous job tonight. Absolutely tremendous job. They deserve... A whole hell of a lot of credit, man. Just not the roster. Those guys deserve a lot of credit, too. This was probably Michael Cole's best main roster night to me. It honestly was. Good shit, and I'm excited for Monday Night Raw. Guys, we had 5,000 in the venue tonight. Thank you guys very much for all of your support this evening. We are going to go over the Super Chats, man. You guys want to get them on in? You want to let me know what you thought of tonight's show? Get them on in, man. I got my cold beverage still ice cold. We're going to hang out in just a second. Hit that thumbs up, man. We need 2,500 likes right now on the podcast. That's the goal. So continue to hit that thumbs up. I would really, really appreciate it. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. 
Guys, confidence can take you far in life, man. And it's time to bring that summer heat into the bedroom. The temperature isn't the only thing uh, <laughs> rising to catch my drift. That confidence, guys, is going to help you in the bedroom, and that's where Blue Chew is going to come into play. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, and you can plan ahead when the opportunity eventually presents itself. process is very simple, guys. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They are prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. I always talk about first impressions, guys. First impressions, you only get one. You can make a first impression, hopefully, if you're not a complete geek. By the way, don't go on a first date and tell them that you're a wrestling mark, bro. Nobody wants to hear that. Don't go on your first date wearing a fucking Undisputed Era (laughs) t-shirt. Do you like wrestling? I got all my action figures on my wall in the bedroom. (laughs) No, don't do that. That's not a good first impression. You need a good first impression, but with Blue Chew, man, you're going to have a... First impression and a lasting impression. Make sure you guys try it for free, man. Code JD at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's bluechew.com. Code JD at checkouts. Get your first month free. And I want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast right here on Off the Script. Start at the top, man. We got Tony Brown. Tony Brown. Oh, my goodness, man. Tony Brown with a $4.99 Super Chat. Maurice, goodness, and Bailey. Listen, bro. Booty meat tonight, man. The booty meat MVPs tonight, man. Bailey, EO, Liv. Oh, my, Bianca. Oh, my goodness. Tony Brown. D Bastardo with a five dollar super chat. E drones and Denise would support anything WWE. Even Vince taking a dump in the ring. Now the support Triple H after disagreeing with JD for five years. Fuck. Denise is getting married tomorrow. Congratulations to Denise. I wish you nothing but a lifetime of happiness and wealth. Elite Soldier with a $5 super chat. Oh, I thought JD was a prick. No, I'm not. I'm a good guy. I'm an asshole, but I'm a good guy. I'm a good asshole. Come on, man. Thank you, Bastardo, man. Elite Soldier with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, this was the first WWE Premium Live event I've watched in years, and I wasn't disappointed. Oh, yeah, Dakota Kai rocks. Yes, we love Dakota Kai, man. We love Dakota Kai. We're happy she's back.
J-Man. With a new membership, J-Man. You're going VIP tomorrow night, brother. Thank you so much, man. What are you drinking tonight? You guys want to become VIPs, man? Hit that join button. We're going VIP only on Sundays. So if you want in on the flagship podcast, man, and the VIP chat, you got to become a channel member. Thank you, J-Man. What the fuck are you drinking, bro? Matt Eagle with a 199 Super Chat. WrestleMania 9-3 blew the first two out of the fucking water. I don't know, man. I think night one was the better night. I think night one was the better night, bro. Mick Swagger with a 199 uh, or $1 Super Chat. Thank you, Mick Swagger. We got a three-month membership by Diesel3290. Thank you for the recommitment, brother. Made it through surgery July 15. Okay. Home recovering and well. Diesel, shout out to you, brother. Happy to hear that. We got a $20 super chat by Wayne King. I enjoyed Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship. It was a five-star match. And I would say it was the best match of the year in 2022, period. Wayne King, you clearly did not watch Supercard of Honor. You clearly did not watch Death Before Dishonor. And you clearly did not watch Revolution, AEW Revolution. And you clearly did not watch Forbidden Door. This was not match of the year. A little over eccentric there, Wayne. I know we're all excited, bro, but this was not match of the year, brother. $20 Super Chat. I appreciate you, Wayne. Thank you for being in the venue. Silent One with the six-month membership. Thank you, Silent One, for the recommitment. To the wonderful fans of OTS, thank you for making me feel like I belong. I am a couple of months away from the prestigious red microphone. Keep it up, JD. Uh, I may be adding more microphones, bro. I want to add microphones to everybody that's, you know, in the VIP club for one year, two years, three years, and so on and so forth. I don't know how to do that. Fabian Cleveland with the fight out Super Chat. Shirai and Kai return, JD. How about that? Brock losing, we all knew was going to happen. Here's a tip for you, man. We await you, JD. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Fabian. Teddy Love with a four-month membership. Thank you, Teddy Love. What are you drinking tonight, brother, for the four months? Thank you, JD, for all that you do. You are the king. And I'm drinking some Dominican rum, Brugal, on the rocks. Much love, brother. Never heard of it, Brett, uh, bro. Brugal. I still need to try this cookie dough whiskey, bro. I want to make an old-fashioned with this cookie dough whiskey. Cookie dough whiskey with some chocolate bitters. In an old-fashioned. That's what I want to do. Um, Teddy Love, thank you, brother. JB with a UK $5 Super Chat. Second best match between Lesnar and Reigns. Opening and ending match was good. Disappointed Seth didn't wrestle. 7 out of 10, I give this show. 
Bro, who, who was the fucking whale that Kid Rock was making out with, man? He is a better man than I am in every sense of the word, bro. Holy shit, what the fuck was that? Who was that woman with Kid Rock, man? I may be having nightmares as soon as this stream is over. She's a TikToker? That is not Kid Rock's wife, bro. Give me a break, man. Kid Rock had dated Pamela Anderson, bro. That's not Kid Rock's type. Jesus Christ. Even Corey Graves made uh, made a fucking off-color comment. Holy shit. Honey Boo Boo? Whatever. That's how fucking out of touch I am with social media, man. Jesus fuck. I don't think we needed that on television tonight. Whatever the fuck happened there, we didn't need that on television. Vince McMahon was probably rolling over in his fucking uh, $6,000 fucking Armani pajamas tonight. Watching that shit. Um, the big dog with the 1999 Super Chat with Vince and Bruce gone. Will the intro get changed? Love the show, bro. Keep up the good work. Uh, yeah, big dog. I, I may have to. Uh, I may have to do something. I may have to do something, bro. Got to talk to my boy Relic. Chris Phoenix with a $5 super chat. I've been watching your podcast and reviews for three years, and you are the IWC savior. Here's a tip for the bartender, OTS for life. Chris Phoenix, thank you so much, brother. Shout out to you, man. Captain Solo with a $5 super chat. Can't stomach Roman Reigns as champion anymore. We'll only watch AEW until Reigns is no longer champion. Enough is enough. Don't worry, Solo. I, I think Reigns loses the title to McIntyre, man. Lauren Marie Hutton with a $2 super chat. Hi, guys. So happy EO and Dakota are finally here. Me too. Absolutely. Steven Caradine becomes a new member. Steven, thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking tonight? And we'll see you in the VIP club tomorrow night with OTS, bro. Awful Grimbones with a 499 Super Chat. It's after midnight. I just turned 32. Can I get a birthday shout-out from the dawn of the IWC? Love OTS and love the OTS family. Cheers to many more birthdays. Awful Grimbones. I need everybody. I need 30, we got, still got 3,700 people in here, man. Jesus fucking Christ. You guys don't sleep like me. I need everybody in the OTS venue right now, man. I need... Birthday cake emojis for my boy Awful Grimbones. Happy 32, bro. Awesome. Yeah, man, um, Sinister, I don't know how, I don't think I'm approved for gifted memberships, bro. How do I gift memberships? Or, or how do I, how do I get gifted memberships on here, man? I gotta have it, right? I don't know. I'd love to give you guys the opportunity to do that, man. 
DSG Goodbar with a $5 super chat. I'm so happy to see you excited for the future of WWE. Deserve this amazing OTS family and all your success. OTS for life. Thank you, DSG Goodbar. I am very excited for the future of WWE, led by Paul Levesque. Kyle Bender. $2 Super Chat. Bailey return was great. And who returns Monday and Friday? I don't know, bro. We will watch Monday Night Raw in, in excitement, man. I think Monday is going to be a very, very newsworthy show. Rathuel with a $20 Super Chat. Vince has failed to create legit world championship contenders on his roster. It will take years for me to take many current stars seriously, even if Triple H does everything right. Lots of new faces needed on the main roster. I, I agree with you, bro. The mess Vince has created, man, is not going to be fixed overnight. It's going to take it's going to take a year plus. Easy. It may take a couple of years for Triple H to fix everything. Angel Alaga with a $25 Super Chat. JD definitely saw some good things tonight with Triple H. In six months or so, WWE can be pretty good again. I think we're getting there, brother. I think we're getting there. Triple H, I trust in Triple H. I really do. Andrea West with a 499 Super Chat. The main event drained the fuck out of me. I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't wait for Monday. Andrea, I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. Hooligrim, enjoy yourself, brother. Stay safe, man. Gaming in real time with a new membership. Brian with a four-month membership. And Sad Cena becomes a new member. Thank you, gentlemen. Brian with the four months. No one will beat Roman. J.D. Frank Freaky Dini said hello. I don't know who the fuck that is, bro. Frank Freaky Dini? Sounds like the name of a fucking porn star, bro. Frankie Freaky Dini. Gaming in real time and sad scene. What the fuck are you gentlemen drinking tonight, man? Sean Ray J with a $10 super chat. Liv and Ronda was definitely underwhelming, but they did somewhat keep Liv strong with her escaping the armbar three times. I think they're going to set her up as a credible champion. Thoughts? No. No, I think, uh, I think Liv Morgan loses the championship at Clash of the Castle. I think Charlotte and Ronda wrestle Liv in a triple threat match in Cardiff. That's just me. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We're definitely getting another Liv and Ronda uh, match in some way, shape, or form. Thank you, Sean Wright, with the 10. Uh, Robbie Freeman becomes a member. Thank you, Robbie Freeman. What are you drinking tonight? C. Jags with a 999 Super Jack. Credit to Triple H for making this slow entertaining. This show, you mean, entertaining as hell. The seeds have been planted. You can see the change coming. I'll be at Raw on Monday in Houston, and I'm excited to watch the Triple H era. I am very much looking forward to Raw for the first time in probably uh, years. 
Guys, I will not be watching Ric Flair's final match. I will be live on YouTube. I'm doing my own show, and I'm making my own money, and I don't really give a shit about anything that's happening at StarCast because I'm not there. They didn't want me there. They didn't request me to be there. Meanwhile, everybody else that's less than me is there. I don't know why. There's another fucking uh, instance where the podcast gets overlooked for whatever reason, man. Meanwhile, we had 5,000 fucking people tonight. I'm doing bigger numbers than everybody in the fucking community while I'm live. And nobody wants to take a fucking look at what we're doing here and say, hey, man, we need, we need JD at these fucking things. We think, uh, we think JD would be great interviewing this guy and on commentary. No. No. Oh, he's too negative. Oh, he hates everything. Yeah, that narrative don't work anymore, bro. Uh, C. Jags, thank you, brother. JD25. 499 Super Chat. I have felt the subtle changes. Now I can't wait to see what Triple H does when he's able to fully build a card for the next pay-per-view and many more to come. I'm excited, JD25. Uh, Sinister says, I know that you need over 50k subs and the only way for you to gift memberships as of right now is only on desktop or laptop and the subs have to turn on allow gifts. Really? I don't even, I don't even know where the fuck I do that, bro. So all the members have to turn on. So all the members have to turn on allow gifts or all the subs. So everybody that subbed in the chat, you got to turn on allow allow gifts. So all the people that aren't channel members, regular subs of my channel that are in the chat right now, you got to turn on allow gifted subs. And then I guess... One of my VIPs, one of my channel members, can gift subs, is what I'm understanding. I don't know how I turn that on on my end. I don't know. I don't really get it. I've been trying to figure this shit out. Maybe we could get it started tonight. I don't know. Uh, Reginald Paul Hawkins with a 13-month membership. Thank you, Reginald. Number one wrestling podcast in the world. I know I'm not, but I appreciate the kind sentiments there, Reginald. What's up, JD? What is going on, brother? The people that want gifted subs have to turn on and allow gifts. You heard the guy. Not today, Jay, with a 199 Super Chat. Triple H said, and we're just getting started. Raging Girl Gamer with a 23-month membership. Rage, you are one month away from the elusive gold microphone. The Universal title match was more than expected. 
expected, which I was surprised by. But too bad it's not as big as the 24-7 title. No, you're right. The 24-7 title is uh, the most prestigious title in all of pro wrestling. Mr. Premium with a 499 Super Chat. Great ending to the show to make for a very happy birthday. Unreal. Happy birthday, Mr. Premium. Everybody in the chat, you got to allow gifts in your YouTube settings. James with a two dollar super chat. What about Stephen Amell? I think Logan Paul is better than Stephen Amell, bro. Deshaun Peace with the one ninety nine super chat. I acknowledge the tribal chief. Seven hundred days. People have acknowledged the tribal chief. Don't tread on me with a ten dollar super chat. One thing I can say about this pay per view, SummerSlam, I did not fall asleep halfway through the pay per view. It was definitely one of the better ones. Michael Cole and Corey Graves killed it. Thank you, don't tread on me. Yes, it was a, a good show tonight, man. Nate TV with a 999 Super Chat. I was at SummerSlam, and everything you said was true about the crowd. It was mixed for Becky Lynch, but once she turned face, they started to cheer. Change is coming. SummerSlam, thumbs up. And listen, Nate, I'm glad that you were there, man. Hopefully you had a good time. KJ with a $20 Super Chat. Thank you, KJ. Good show, JD. On the Rollins and Riddle thing. Turns out that Riddle apologized to Rollins after Survivor Series 2020 on behalf of his wife. Since then, Riddle and Rollins have had numerous dark matches together. Good. Matt Riddle should not be blamed for something that his dumb wife did. I'm glad they were able to squash things and move forward. Uh, Chelsea, I have no idea where in the settings. I don't even know where it is for myself. I don't, I don't know what I have to do. I really don't. Nate TV with a 199 Super Chat. The ring was like Titanic when Brock lifted it. That was an awesome sight, bro. Awesome sight. Jordan plays with a $5 Super Chat. Did you notice Montez had the Uso covered for about five or six seconds? He was half laying on top of him with both Uso's shoulders down after the failed frog splash. I did not see that, bro. I did not see that. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Triple H says he wanted to make a splash. He definitely did make one. And like you said, that's just a taste. Only a taste, bro. We're going to see more. Believe me, we're going to see more. Danny Baker with a 999 Super Chat. SummerSlam better than expected. Things are looking up. Have a good night, JD. Danny Baker, thank you so much for stopping by, bro. Things are definitely looking up with Paul Levesque in charge, bro. Jack Perez with a $5 Super Chat. He says, I love this podcast. So do I. Neo. Neo has found it. Bro, where is it, man? You got to let it. You got to tell us where you, you found it, bro. 
Turn that bitch on. Let's get some fucking uh, gifted subs in here, man. Gifted memberships. Nasty Mandy. Get that Destiny 2. Light up. Bro, listen. I've been struggling this week with the corrupted Grandmaster Nightfall, bro. I only completed two. I got two of the Adept Horrors Least Pulse Rifles, man. Decent rolls, but not the roll I'm looking for. Neo is bamboozling everybody. Come on, bro. Don't bamboozle nobody in here, bro. Furious Nancy with a $10 super chat. What up, JD? SummerSlam was good tonight. Not great, but it got the job done with Triple H. With what he was given to work with, screw the people who think Triple H won't change. I ain't fuck him. Anybody that's not on Triple H's team, man, get out. We got a 1999 Super Chat from Jaxo23. Hey, JD, it's been a while since I saw Bailey, Io Shirai, and Dakota Kai. I was happy. And I thought Triple H was, uh... And I thought Triple H, Eugenius. Also, when I saw Ronda turn heel, I was like, yes, also, Vince must be having a stroke since all his booking is out. Yeah, Vince can uh, Vin- Vince can go take a walk, bro. Who gives a shit? Vince has no say anymore, I think. Maybe. Who knows? Sean Ray J with a new membership. Thank you, Sean Ray J. We'll see you in the VIP section tomorrow night, bro. Don't tread on me with a $5 super chat. Wanted to thank you for telling the truth about many subjects about WWE. You do such a fantastic job one day. I hope to get into podcasting myself. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that, man. Just be yourself. Just be yourself, man, really. Gerald Cormier with a $5 super chat. Did you catch when Corey said he liked Michael Cole better when he didn't have an opinion? Michael Cole said, yeah, well, a lot has changed around here. A lot. Yes, I did. And that is a legit shoe, brother. Tan May with a 32-month membership. Oh, my goodness. Tan May. He says, great review. Thank you, Tan May. Furious Nation with a $10 super chat. Also happy to see Bailey, Io Shirai, and Dakota Kai back. Did you also know that this faction idea was pitched months ago by the Riders, and it got shot down by Vince? Uh, we will talk about that tomorrow, man. I'm sure there'll be news on that. I love it. Antoine Richardson with a 199 Super Chat. Romans keeping the title until Mania with The Rock. No, he's not. I can't see Roman walking out of Cardiff against Drew McIntyre. I can't see it. And we're not wrestling The Rock. It's going to be, if anything, it's going to be Roman versus Cody. If they're doing Roman versus Cody, Cody, then keep the titles on Roman. But if, they, if The Rock is coming back, uh, Roman doesn't need the titles. Bradley Robinette. 
199 Super Chat. Ordered Ric Flair's last match. You're reviewing it. No, I'll be live on off the script. Blazing with a new membership. Blazing, thank you so much, brother. See you in the VIP club tomorrow night. Jaxo23 with another 1999 Super Chat. I cannot wait for Raw on Monday. Oh, SummerSlam since Triple H will be leading the show. Also, I feel bad for Liv Morgan since more than likely she'll have to face the android or someone else. I hope they bring back Bray. Yeah, out for the count. You can get the fuck out of my chat, bro. Cody does not suck. Jack, so I'm excited for SummerSlam uh, post-Raw as well, man. I think it's going to be a, a very, very uh, newsworthy show. TRS Nation with a $10 super chat with Raw's women's division getting Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Shirai. I think Sasha and Naomi go back to SmackDown, to be honest. Maybe Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox if they're both still free agents. Thoughts? Possibility, man. Possibility. I like it. The Rock wants $50 million to wrestle one more match. All right. All right, Alpha the Count. I see you, bro. YouTube gives viewers an option to allow gifts in this chat, J.D. I don't, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Lena Scorpio with a $2 Super Jack. Creative Swerve with EO Dakota. Thank you, Triple H. I love it. I love it. Kazama Fury with a 499 Super Chat. I worked as an EMT for AEW in New Jersey. 1-5. Met Santana. He smiled when I mentioned you. Peanut butter whiskey and critiques and connoisseurs. Good show as usual. Santana is awesome, bro. I'm telling you, man. If Santana is leaving AEW and doesn't want to be in AEW anymore, I want the first interview. I do. I think that'd be great. And I'll have some peanut butter whiskey, man. Um, Furious Nation with a $10 super chat. Can I just say that Michael Cole just sounds so much better without Vince screaming in his ear? He did not sound bad tonight at all. Also, which is your favorite SummerSlam in history? My favorite SummerSlam ever is 2002. SummerSlam 2002 and SummerSlam 1997. I probably put 1997 above 2002, but those are my two favorite SummerSlams of all time. And I have a, I have a connection to 1993. Just something about 1993. Just something about it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was Bobby the Brain Heenan and Vince McMahon doing commentary. I just love 1993 SummerSlam as well. I, I thought it was tremendous. Silent one. $2 Super Chat. JD, suggestion for mics, platinum and diamond mics. That's a good idea, bro. I'll take that into uh, serious consideration. Bushi Clementine with a $5 Super Chat. Logan Paul is really surprising me. Looking forward to seeing him do well. He's going to do fine, man. He's, he's awesome. About 10 minutes. I, I have no idea, bro. That's that's very odd. Did you cancel memberships?
Nate TV with a 199 and a 199. SummerSlam, great, but I still love the Revolution. I love Revolution. Best wrestling show of the year. I thought Revolution was probably the best pay-per-view of the year myself. And James with a $2 super chat. Jerry, link that explains the gifting of subs. I don't see any link, brother. I don't see any link, man. Bushy Clementine with a $10 super chat. Yeah, that is weird, midgets. I don't I don't know why, man. I, I do know that you're a, a VIP here. That's very odd. Bushy Clementine with a $10 super chat. Fantasy booking. Bailey, Kai, and EO versus Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, and a mystery point that ends up being Tegan Knox for payback. For payback from war games years ago. Only Triple H, bro. There you go, bro. It shows up on your phone. There you go, man. I see it now. So weird, man. Uh, I like that, bro. Or we could just get Sasha. Or we could just get Sasha as a mystery tag team partner with EO, uh, with Becky and, and Bianca. Works for me as well. Tony Khan has not missed on pay-per-view this year, man. Tony Khan owns all of the best pay-per-views this year. Revolution, Forbidden Door, Death Before Dishonor, and Super uh, Supercar. And WrestleMania Night 1 was great, too. Guys, I'm about tapped out, man. We, uh... We are about done here, bro. We are about done here. I appreciate you guys for hanging out with me on this Saturday evening, early Sunday morning. If I did a good job, man, for you guys here tonight, we got 2,600 likes on the live stream tonight. Can we get 3,000 before we get the hell out of here, man? You guys killed it. 5,000 in the venue tonight. If you guys have not hit that thumbs up, I would really, really, really appreciate you guys hit that thumbs up. I would also appreciate you guys hit that join button. Continue to become VIPs. We'll be live tomorrow night with OTS, episode 438. VIP only chat. Last weekend was an absolute fucking blast. So make sure you guys are a part of that, man. VIP section is the place to be. And make sure you guys follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And we are dangerously, and I mean dangerously close to 135,000 subscribers. I'm very, very happy with the growth of the podcast, man. You guys are fucking killing it. We continue to get better. I feel like I put out some of the best stuff I put out ever this past week. And we're going to continue tomorrow. We're going to continue Monday and into the brand new week, man. Raw, NXT, AEW. It's going to be awesome. Mr. No Days Off, man. I appreciate you guys very much. Also, hit up Blue Chew, man. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Get your free sample. Blue Chew. Dot com. Code JD at checkout. 
Missed your milestone, Jen. I didn't get it. I did not get it, Jen. It's not it's not up here. Otherwise, I would have read it. It was it wasn't even here. That's a YouTube thing. I apologize. YouTube is very very uh, it's very picky. I don't understand. I don't know. Anyway, guys, listen. I'll see you guys tomorrow night live, man. I hope to see all of you back in the venue tomorrow night. OTS 4.38. Get some rest. Enjoy your Sundays. Tonight was only the beginning, man. The Triple H era is on its way. Change is in the air, and it's fucking beautiful, man. Until Monday. Oh, actually, I'll see you guys tomorrow. See you guys tomorrow for episode 438 right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.